Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Bigfoot, is it real or is it a hoax? For ages, he has hidden in the forest, eluded hunters, baffled scientists, and remain a mystery. My entire life I've seen shadow people. For powerful and effective constipation relief. Hello, and how the devil are you all? And Merry Christmas. Well, I don't believe in Christmas, humbug. But, but um, uh, it is that time of year. Yeah. So I wanted to say, um, if you're working away, if you're in the military, armed forces, and uh, you are working away at Christmas, it's it's a bit shit, isn't it? But um, we are very grateful for what you do. Uh, myself, I've got family members that are working away, so I know... I know what that's like. So, um, yep, thank you for your service. Yep, thank you. And that goes for anybody that's working away as well. It's a shit time of year to be working away, yeah. and especially if you've got kids and all the rest of it. So we do appreciate that. And uh, we appreciate you for listening to the podcast today. Uh, today we are going to be talking about... Borley Rectory. The hauntings of Borley Rectory. Yes. And it is allegedly haunted by... Various well, different critters. Uh, yeah, different kind of entities, but I think the most famous one is the monk and the nun. The nun, yeah. And um, I've actually got an, a joke about a nun. Oh, go on then. You're going to tell it. You uh, might as well tell it now. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's probably not the greatest joke. But it's not blue, is it? Well, it goes like this. It goes, the vicar, right? So... He's got some. He's got some odd jobs that he needs doing. So these two nuns are coming to his uh, church, and he says to him, "He says, ladies, he says, have you got, um, you know, a spare few hours?" He said, "I've got loads to do. I'm not going to get it done on my own." They said, "Absolutely. What do you want us to do?" He says, "Well, downstairs, the basement area, you need, you know, one of these rooms that's just off to the side of the church." He said, "It really needs decorating." Um, it's, you know, I've been meaning to do it for a while, and uh, I just haven't got round to it. He said, "I've got to go out for a few hours um, and get some stuff done." He said, "Would you mind?" And they said, "Absolutely not. Right, we're free. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get we'll crack on with painting." So he goes off on on his errands, and the the two nuns go into this room, and anyway, they start painting in this room, and it's particularly warm day. It's a really hot day, and obviously they've got all the garb on. Yeah. Um. So one of the nuns says to the other one, "He says, oh, it's, it's fucking hot in here." Like she says, "Oh, well, she says, well just take take your kit off, like you know what I mean." So he says, "Well, it'll be all right." And he says, "Yeah, no one's going to come in. The vicar's out all day." And, you know, we're, you know, we're in here, so they lock the door, and they uh, disrobe. Okay, and obviously two two nuns disrobing is probably about as sexy as a bog brush, but... They, Depends uh, what they look like. Well, yeah, but they disrobe anyway, and they're, they're there, they're painting and that, and having a good time, and they're really hot and that. And then there's a knock on the door, okay, and uh, they say, uh, oh, shit, you know what I mean? Who is it? And uh, this, this voice comes back, says, it's a blind man. And they say... Okay, and he says, "Can I come in?" And they say, "Whoa, we ain't got clothes on." And she says, "Well, he's blind; he won't, won't, won't be able to see anything." So she says, "Okay." She says, "Yeah, one minute." So they go and unlock the door and let him in. He says, "The guy walks and he says, right, ladies.' He says, "Where do you want the blind put in?" <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, okay, then, yeah. Yeah, shit, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, is it, let's call it your Christmas joke, mate. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. not Christmas very Christmassy, joke. but no, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, but um. Yeah, so stay tuned for the paranormal news that'll be coming up, sort of halfway through this the yeah, story today. You'll you'll, lo- you'll love these. Yeah, the, 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 and uh, there will be a Patreon episode uh, up this week yeah. if it's not already up. So check uh, look out for that. Uh, that might be f- uh, that might be free for everybody. That one. Yeah, I so, think so. It's worth checking out uh, if you don't already pay for Patreon. Anyway, let's get on with the show. So the haunting at Bali Rectory. Yes. Um, do you want to start with the history of the place? Before yes, I'll start with a the uh, ghostly goings on. Yes, um, Borley uh, Rectory uh, was constructed near Borley Church by the Reverend 
Henry Dawson Ellis Bull in 1862. And he moved in a year after being named rector of the parish. Uh, the large uh, brick building was built in a style influenced by Augustus uh, Welby, uh, replacing the earlier Gregorian house built for the previous rector. Now, the- we should point out that the house itself was built on an earlier monastery. A 13th century monastery used to stand in the... Yeah, it used to be. Uh, yeah, it used yeah. to be a monastery, which was uh, around there, around thirteen sixty-two. Yeah. So you know, obviously, it's, yeah, obviously, a lot of stuff happened around that place. So uh, there is evidence uh, for there having been a house on the rectory site before the this one. Uh, the nearby church dates from the twelfth century and serves a rather scattered rural community. Yeah, it's medieval. Yeah, of the three hamlets that make up the parish. Uh, there are several substantial farmhouses and the fragmentary remains of Borley Hall, once the seat of the Walden Grey family. So, obviously, there have been family generations all the old time. So, according to a legend, uh, a monk from the monastery carried on a relationship with a nun from a nearby convent. Mm-hmm. After their affair was discovered, the monk was executed and the nun was bricked up alive in the convent walls. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, so obviously there didn't last very long, did it? Um, yeah, but it was confirmed in 1938 that this legend had no historical basis and seemed to have been fabricated by the rector's children to rom- uh, uh, romance- romanticize this Rom- gothic rom- style. Rom- rom- red rom- brick- romanticize. Romanticize, yeah. So, was this a uh, monk and nun? You know, because there is allegedly hauntings all the time from a nun and a monk. Well, it's in, uh, I mean, that's interesting that it was the the so-called children, the girls of the the Bull family, that are meant to have made up this story because they were the first people to see the nun. Yeah. And they actually saw her crossing the garden. Although some people are not convinced that it is a nun because it's just a woman. Essentially, it's just a woman shape shrouded in a black veil, if you like. Yeah. So... They're not convinced it is a nun. It's just a woman in a, a black veil, but but she's been given the name. The, the, well, the I mean, nun. I mean, obviously, it's built on a, a monastery, mm. so, you know, so yeah. So that's where that comes back into that yeah. thing. But but people's description of her is generally she's just a woman in a black veil. So but but she's been given the name the nun. So yeah, yeah. But they were the first to see it. The the uh, the, the bulls. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there was. Um, and one of the other things that happened with the bulls is. Um, the Reverend Bully actually was that um, sick and tired of seeing the nun while he was eating his breakfast, sitting in the dining room, um, that she kept com- kept coming to the window, you know, peering in the window, that he actually paid someone to brick up that window. Ooh. And then later, in later years, that, that br- window still bricked up, well, it was still bricked up. He got that sick and tired of seeing her, just peering at him while he was eating his breakfast. But it seems to be like, a, for some reason, it seemed to be like a reoccurring thing every you know, a few days or months, whatever, yeah. she should appear at this particular window. So I don't know what that's about because obviously there was a house that was possibly there. You know, like it was like some sort of residual. Yeah. Obviously, she didn't die when that this new house was built there. Could it have been, you know, there? I don't know. I don't know why. There's, she'd be I think there's, that there's also um, alleged sightings of it actually in a house from the window, wasn't there? Yeah. So people <clears> go up to the house and see, uh, you know, this nun in the, in the looking window, at them from the window. Out, yeah, so. so, you know. It gets about a bit. Yeah, just a bit. The first alleged uh, paranormal events for which there are no accounts, uh, you know, there's no really, you know, that they can't explain, it happened around 1863. The first alleged paranormal events for which there are accounts apparently occurred in around 1863, since a few locals later remembered have hearing unexplained footsteps within the house at about this date. Uh, on 28th of July 1900, uh, four of the daughters of the rector reported seeing what they thought was a ghost of a nun from 40 yards distance near the house in daylight. Mm. They tried to talk to it, but it disappeared as they got closer, so that could say residual. Yeah. Uh, the local organist recalled that about that date, the family at the rector were very convinced that they had seen an apparition on several occasions. Uh, various people claimed to witness a variety of puzzling incidents, 
such as a phantom coach driven by two headless horsemen through the next four decades. Mm. So they were seen all time. Yeah, but this is before, because obviously there's a little bit of controversy comes in later on when a certain family move in the Forsters. But yeah. um, that that coach as well, it, it's folklore, I know, but that coach driven by the horses, that, that's become known as the... Almost the the coach that was going to allegedly whisk the the monk and the nun away to uh, wherever they was going to go before Ooh. they got caught and, and executed. So, uh, you know, again, that's just part of the folklore. They're, they're just, just linking all these things together, but but no one really knows what the coach is about. But well, I mean, around the area, you know, uh, in Essex, I mean, it, it's it's rife with headless horsemen and yeah. stuff. You know, so it's not maybe just that. Part. Well, some accounts give it as being headless. Some accounts just give it as being a. I know later on, uh, uh, one of the maids sees it, um, you know, later on as we get through the years. So. Yeah. But she, didn't uh, recall, she didn't report it being headless. It's just a coach. Henry drama. Dawson, uh, Ellis Bull, died in 1892, and his son, the Reverend Harry Bull, took over, uh, took over Bully in 1911. He married a younger divorcee, Ivy, and the couple moved in with their daughter to nearby Bawley Place, until 1920, that's when he took over the rectory. Uh, on 9th of June 1928, the, the rector, uh, Harry Bull, died and the rectory again became vacant. Mm-hmm. So, in a, yeah, again, in the following year, on 2nd of October, the Reverend uh, Guy Eric Smith and his wife moved into the home. This is where things start started to really stranger, yeah, yeah. hit the fan, mate. One day soon after moving in, Mrs. Smith was cleaning out a cupboard when she came across a brown paper package. Inside was, was a skull of a young woman. Mm. Uh, shortly after, the family would report a variety of incidents, including the sounds of a servant bell ringing on their own, which the strings had already been cut. Yeah, the servant bells were disconnected. Yeah, at the time. disconnected. I suppose I should point out at this point that there was 13 bedrooms in this building. Yeah. So, so when we say you know, she moved in and then... After a while, she found this skull, and you know, what I mean, it, it is a big place. So I guess you could, you could have a, a particular room that you'd never really ventured into yeah. for a while. So there's lights appearing in windows, unexplained footsteps. Um, in addition, and Mrs. Smith believed she saw a horse-drawn carriage at night. Uh, the Smiths contacted the Daily Mirror. All this was going on, and the Smiths wanted a little bit of help, so they got in touch with the paper, who contacted uh, like a well-known sort of uh, paranormal investigator at the time, yeah. a guy called Harry Price, who later goes on to write the story of Bowley and becomes a bestseller and all the rest of it. But at the time, they were looking for a bit of help, and they contacted the I think they contacted the Cycle Research Society. Yeah. Uh, they put in touch with the paper, and the paper got in touch with Price. He agreed to come down, so he comes down with a reporter. And he was sceptical when he first came. Well, well, I think most of his job was to uh, seek out charlatans, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what yeah. he was mostly involved with, uh, Yeah, these, these fraudulent mediums. Yeah, and that. that's right, that's his job. So he comes down, like I say, he was sceptical when he came there, but him and the reporter were moseying around the uh, lower floors. Uh, it was on the way up the staircase when a candlestick flew past them. A big wooden candlestick, and obviously there was nobody upstairs. So he had first-hand um, experience of that. He also encountered while he was there that the the servant bells. He had the servant bells ringing, uh, which was a common common thing. A lot of people witnessed that. And again, the the the, the bells themselves were disconnected. Yeah, the wire, the, yeah. the wires. Were These are the old they, servant bells. Like yeah, you, uh, were on a string and. Yes, yeah, so I um, think they was cut and disconnected. Yeah, they were disconnected, but they they, they rung. So there was a bit going on. Um, eventually, the Smiths get sick of it, uh, and then they move out. Yeah, uh, the Smiths left Borley on the fourteenth of July, nineteen twenty nine, uh, and after some difficulty in finding a replacement, the Reverend Lionel Foister, a first cousin of the Bulls, and his wife Marianne moved into the rectory with their adopted daughter Adelaide. On the sixteenth of October, nineteen thirty, Lionel Foister wrote an account of the various strange incidents that happened, which he sent to Harry Price. Price estimated that between when the Foisters moved in on October 1935, many incidents took place there, including bell ringing, window shattering, stones, 
bottle throwing and wall writing and their doctor uh, their daughter was locked in a room with no key mm. uh, Marianne Foister reported to her husband a whole range of poltergeist phenomena which included her being thrown from her bed on one occasion Adelaide was attacked by something horrible twice Foister tried to conduct an exorcism but his efforts were fruitless in the middle of the first the Foister was struck on the shoulder by a fist-sized stone. Because of the publicity in the Daily Mirror, these incidents attracted more attention at the time from several psychic researchers who investigated and they were unanimous in suspecting that they uh, were caused consciously or unconsciously by Marianne Foister. Mm, So she was presumed the guilty party for a lot of these things but again well, you know again, yeah, a lot of this stuff was going on before uh, though yeah so, so it so, can't be so it can't all be down to her mm. but there was a there was an occasion where they had a guy over called guy estrange um and he was a headmaster at the time and he was also a magistrate so not really a guy you'd expect to be fooled by mm. uh you know the goings on the shout and uh, you know but he he was there and he was taking tea with them and with that, the, the the teapot and everything shot off the table and broke over the floor. And that Marianne, she she calls for the servant. You know, well, yeah, the, 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 the pots are broken again. So she comes in, and uh, as as she's cleaning up that, they hear uh, noises going on in the corridor. So they venture out into the hallway where they see bottles, glass bottles, you know, wine bottles, that kind of thing, uh, actually floating in the, the air and then breaking upon the floor and these bottles were materialising out of nowhere mm. um, and obviously he, he at that point believed what they were saying and he left I mean I mean, in that time it would be very hard to kind of you know uh, to fake that to fake that yeah that's what I think and with him being like I say he's, a, he's, you know, he's an intelligent guy he's a magistrate he's an ad master um, and he saw that you know and it wasn't long after that that they actually, the, the voices themselves moved out yeah so, um, <coughs> well, anyway, um, Mrs. Foister later stated that she felt some of the incidents were caused by her husband in collaboration with one of the psychic researchers, but other events appeared to be genuine paranormal phenomena. Marianne later admitted that she was having a sexual relationship with the lodger. Mm. Okay. Why would you have a lodger in a, in a lecture? Well, she was, uh, I mean, her husband was about 30 years older than the one, so. Yeah, what, was, it, was he a paying lodger or? Anyway, the lodger was called. paying Fra- kind, wasn't he? Yeah. The, the lodger was called Frank Peerless, and that she used paranormal explanations to cover up her. Liaisons. So when her husband said, what was all that banging last night? Yeah. He's, oh, it's, it's the ghost. It's <laughs> the ghost. The bed was moving. The yeah. ghost made it move. I noticed you wasn't in bed again and I heard you screaming. <laughs> possibly, this is possible, you know. Yeah. I you know, you know, suppose well, she's got away with it. So uh, The foisters left Borley as a result of Lionel's ill health. Uh, Borley remained vacant for some time after the foisters' departure in May 1937, and then Price took over, uh, took out a, a, a year's long rental agreement uh, with Queen Anne's Bounty. These were the owners of the property. Okay. Um, through an adver- advertisement in the Times on the 25th of May 1937, he recruited a corpse of 48 official observers, mostly students who spent periods, mainly at weekends, at the rectory with instructions to report any phenomena which occurred. So now everybody's going in now. Mm. And you're getting your psychic researchers, you're getting your mediums, and they're all doing kind of seances and I'll just give you this, Ouija boards. Um, and, I'll just you know. give you this bit, this bit. This is from uh, Harry Price's book, and it's about when he first came to the Ooh. rectory, and it says... The news editor of the national paper telephoned me saying that the Reverend G. Smith had appealed for for help. The most extraordinary things were happening in the rectory. Bells were ringing of their own volition. Strange lights had been seen in empty and locked rooms. The nun had been seen again. Slow dragging footsteps were heard across the floor of an unoccupied room. A young maidservant imported from London had left her, had left after two days of work 
to her successor declared she had seen an old-fashioned coach drawn by two brown horses gallop through the hedge, sweep across the lawn, and vanish into thin air. She too saw the nun leaning over the gate near the house. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. his, that was his first sort of, you know, that's the, the when he first. So you can see why he was singing. But he did say later on, he said, "Although I have investigated many haunted houses before and since, never have I seen such phenomenon." Phenomenon. Phenomenon. That's how, it, that's how you would have said it. Phenomena. Phenomena. Uh, so impressed me as as this did on this historic day. Sixteen hours of thrills. What's that, mate? That's because it was for sixteen hours the first day. Ah, right. Okay. And it was like continue. He reckons it was like continuous. Um, but I mean, where are we up to in the story? Because the, there's a bit more to what Harry. Yeah, Bryce. yeah, definitely. Um, this in March 1938, Helen Glanville, the daughter of S. J. Glanville. This is one of Price's helpers. He she conducted a planchette uh, planchette seance, another Ouija board, in other yeah. words. Um, in Streatham, in South London. Price reported that Helen Glanville made contact with two spirits. The first was that of a young nun who identified herself as Marie Lair. She said that she had been murdered on the site of Borley Rectory. Mm. Her answers were consistent with that story told by the Bull Sisters. But in previous seance had identified the nun as Evangeline Westcott. Now, according to legend, Marie Lear was uh, a French nun who left her religious order, married and came to live in England. The, the groom was supposedly none other than Henry Waldengrave, which we mentioned earlier, was the owners of the site. It was a local family, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, she claimed to have been murdered in 1667. Price uh, exposed the theory that the ghostly nun who had been seen for generations was Marie Lair. She was condemned to wander restlessly as her spirit searched for, for a holy burial ground. The wall writings were her pleas for help. Well, I mean, I've seen the wall writings and... Yeah, they're, they're just scribble, indistinguishable, basically. basically yeah. The best. What's scribble? I mean, there is a wit- another witness to that. There was a guy who was local um, paper editor. Well, he went on to mm. be the local paper editor. A guy called Charles uh, Winter, I think his name was. And he conducted a few investigations um, with Harry Price. And Harry Price reached out to the paper and this guy was sent along. And again, he goes in there sceptical. And on a few occasions, he actually sealed the door up with a piece of cotton. So he sellotaped a piece of cotton across the door so no one could go in there. Locked door, sealed room. And then later on, they'd go and open the door and have a look in. Um, the seal would be unbroken. They'd go in and they'd actually see writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, and one time he claims that he actually saw the writing being written yeah. on the wall. Well, you can't really fake that. Just for a brief second. And then it sort of realised, or the ghost, whatever, yeah. realised he was there and then stopped writing. So yeah, that's another person who... So Sorry. we've got really man, there is there is um, some kind of uh, you know so, some stuff to this you know it's not all fake it's not all to me I think it's, there is still a lot of hauntings in I think to, even today there is still, I mean we're, we're going on late, late on to the church yeah which is now kind of because the board is gone well the price is the is the principal architect of all this and he he's late he writes the books and all mm. the rest but he gets this sort of out to the public uh, domain. But there's a lot of criticism, not least from the Cycle Research Society. They said a lot of his claims bogus. He uh, elaborate, uh, exaggerated a lot of them. But this sounds a bit to me, because if he, if he was out to, uh, you know, expose the, the charlatans, then mm. he was, you know, maybe he was a charlatan himself. But it could have just come, it could have just got to such a uh, point where, um, you know, he was he was going to make money from it. Well, you know? he, he took he, out a year's lease to the place, so he, he, was, he wasn't short of change, though, was he? Really? Well, no, well, for, his, for his wife. There was a guy called Charles Sutton, right? Who was a newspaper reporter reporter at the time, and he recalls a visit to Borley and he with Price in ninety uh, July nineteen twenty nine, and he says this. He says, as we stood on the lawn, Harry Price explained to me that he had been standing there in the same spot with uh, Lord Charles Hope. 
a week previous, when a window had broken and the glass had cascaded to the ground. Within two or three seconds of Price pointing out to me the glass, the glass's frame of the window, his the neighbour suddenly smashed another cascade of glass tumbled down. Mm. So he's saying, you know, we stood in the we stood in the thing. He says, oh, you see that window up there? It broke last week when I was studying with it. And, and then next day, and it, so it's a bit coincidental. Yeah, to say well, the least. Well, it is, it is, it's also so that, alleged that Marianne, when the foisters left, most of the activity stopped. Mm. So when when Price uh, stepped in, yeah, picked took up a lease, because uh, well, it stopped, because because the activity had stopped, and maybe thought, "Oh, sh- yeah, I'm gonna have to bump it up here." Yeah, do you know what I mean? Start exaggerating <coughs> it, and yeah, and that woman, that woman that was following Mary's secretary, she later became, but she she uh, was obviously part. Allegedly, she was in on it because this Charles Sutton goes on to say, "The three of us went around the ground floor in this order: Price, Price's secretary, opening the door, right." She, uh, I examined each empty room carefully in the light of my uh, of my hurricane lamp, and Harry Price following. So the the order was always the secretary first, then Charles, yep. and, and uh, Price. Price behind. Yep. And this hurricane lamp is just uh, is uh, basically a glass lamp where you put a candle in, and it That's stops, it yeah. stops the candle blowing out. That's right. Just in case you want to know. So he says. So obviously he pulled it from. So this has happened. They, they open each door. Uh, but before they open the door, he says that they that he'd often hear a noise inside. But he said the problem was, he said it sounded like a stone being thrown. But he said on on, on a, uh, opening the door, he said he couldn't tell whether there's, he just heard that stone move because mm. there was the, the 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 floor was littered with stones, pebbles. So which was unusual, isn't it? Yeah. He later goes on to say, as I had been concerned about the crashes in the rooms downstairs, Harry Price was about to lock them. I suggested that we reverse the order of the uh, uh, reverse the order, and that Harry Price should walk in front of me and open the doors, with his secretary should follow me and lock them behind. Yeah. Okay. Price argued against this, the change of order, and we proceeded as before. So he didn't want he didn't want that. You know, I mean, he wanted Price wanted to be at the back. So again, you know, this is raising this guy's suspicions. Yep. Okay. He says. But no more than seven or eight steps. Uh, so if uh, sorry, Harry Price again followed him behind, but with no no more than seven to eight steps. As we crossed the landing, there was a series of reverberating. What's that? Twenty-three things. You all get that one Reverberating crashes. Later, I found that half a brick had rolled down the staircase. Once more, I was aware of a swooshing sound that passed by me. Yeah. So, you know, he, this brick comes past him. My suspicions, now fully, fully aroused, I dropped my hurricane lamp, seized Harry's Price's coat and said, Now I've got you. I had. And I plunged my hands into his coat pockets and they were full of stones and pebbles. Mm. So, you, you know, he's pretty convinced that it was... He was exaggerating it. He does say, like, I needed no further evidence that Harry Price was responsible for the ghostly noises I heard and can I, can never forgive him for ruining the atmosphere of the house, which seemed to promise so much without the aid of material assistance. Right, so obviously, when the when the foisters left, the activity just dropped. Yeah. So then he, he leased a house for the year, tried to prove to everybody, show people that it's true. Which I, I doubt it. Uh, which I, I believe it was all happening, but of course, they, when they left, the activity dropped, and he, he thought, you know, I've got to do something here. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose face here. But um, so he starts exaggerating it, basically. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, and then anyway, the um, anyway, back to this seance. The, 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 that that's the first spirit was Marie Lair, the, the nun. Right, the second spirit to be contacted. Uh, identified himself by the name of Sunex Amers. He claimed that he would set fire to the rectory at nine o'clock that night. He also said that at that time, the bones of a murdered person would be revealed. The predictions of Sunex Amers came to pass in a way, but not that night, 27th of March 1938. On the 27th of March 1939, the new owner of the rectory, Captain W.H. Gregson, 
reported that he was unpacking boxes when an oil lamp in the hallway overturned. The fire quickly spread and Borley Rectory was severely damaged. Mm. Um, an onlooker said uh, she saw the figure of the ghostly nun in the upstairs window and according to Harry Price demanded a fee for her story. Right. Again, you see, you know, money, money, whatever. Uh, the burning of the rectory was investigated by the insurance company and determined to be fraudulent. Mm, they've suspected arson, although it could yeah. never be proved. Well, yeah. no. Hey, hey. Harry Price conducted a brief dig in the cellars of the ruined house and almost immediately two bones of a young woman were discovered, along with the medal of a Saint Ignatius. A subsequent metic- meticulous excavation of the cellars over three years, revealed nothing further. Mm. The bones were given uh, a Christian burial, um, and well, the re- yeah, again, the, the, the yeah, the new vicar. Um, obviously, the, the rectory was uh, destroyed and destroyed. Then, it was leveled. It was pulled then, down in forty four. Yeah. The, the 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 new rector he um, took the bones, decided that he'd give them a proper burial in the church, to the church, Bolly Church, buried them in the graveyard. And then the phenomenon moves from the rectory into the church. To this day. And it's to this day, yeah. To this day. It's still happening to this day. And you've got a situation where you've got um, a few, um, or a couple of elder ladies, they were going to do organ practice at the mm. church. And on approaching the church, this is shortly after the bones had been buried and all that, approaching the church, they hear the organ playing on its own. Um, the, the door was locked. They let themselves in. The organ stops. They check the organ out. Everything seems to be fine. It's alleged that some local kids later on said that they was playing the organ. Mm. They, they, but again, the, the church door was... I'm not convinced that that was them. And that's happened on a new, numerous occasions. Figures have been seen. Um, again, this nun. Yeah. And then there was a guy called uh, Peter Underwood who later wrote books about uh, the, church. The, the church itself yeah. and, you know, and, the, and the history of Borley. And he, he gathered quite a few witness uh, testaments, to, you mm. know, who had seen things. And, for example, early in August 1949, a Lanc- Lancashire rector, previously uh, sceptical of the haunting, saw a figure of a veiled girl in Borley Churchyard. 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 What's yeah. that? Um, he told me that he was in the church porch at the time. She passed from behind one shrub to another close by and then vanished. The rector immediately went to the spot but could find no explanation as to the appearance or disappearance of the figure. In the answer to my question, he added, she appeared to be a frail girl, I should say between 18 and 23. It's a weird number, but... Hey. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, a young she, girl. Then. Yeah, she had a shape of a nun's hood over her head. I couldn't see her features. Again, this is... This, this, <coughs> This black veil again, you know, it's not necessarily a number. It's, it's some sort of black veil, um, you know, which would people mm. would wear for mourning, wouldn't they? So, yeah, know, in a churchyard, yeah, it, yeah, could yeah, be, again, it could be, yeah, could be well uh, expected. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is also um, a figure of black, a figure in black was reported to have been seen in the churchyard October 1949 as it walked quickly and silently towards the little priest's door and vanished. This report is signed by two witnesses. So two people saw that one. Then you get a local doctor saw a stooping nun-like figure on the roadway between the rectory site and the church in 1949. Uh, one of the present occupiers of the cottage, a boy of 14, claims that he had seen the ghost nun on three occasions, while his uncle had has reported seeing the same figure on uh, the fam- of the famous nun on the, the nun's walk one day in August. 1953, and the the part that the nuns walk is part of the the, the great uh, the yard there. Yeah, the, the the garden had like these shrubs down the side, and it was like a, just a path back and forth. And it was called the nuns walk because she was frequently seen there. And again, you know, this guy's seen it. So he so this is after the house is all burnt down yeah. and all that's all so gone. The, it's all on the church now, and yet he's seeing the they're seeing the they're seeing this nun uh, around the church and. Um, Peter Underwood himself, he actually investigated the church, and uh, well, with yeah, we've actually got you know he's actually put equipment into the church 
you know, sometimes he locked it off, didn't he? He left the equipment in the church and said, Let's go. So yep. they locked the church, made sure it was all sealed, yep. no one can come in. No, obviously, no, no one get in or no one come out. That's right. So they, um, and they, uh, they did a, everything from footsteps to a door opening, but there was no door. The, the, yeah, again, it must have been residual. They, they said they heard a door unbolt and then, you know, you actually open. Hear it, yeah. and then, but then they went in and they found all the doors had been bolted, mm. they had been touched. And we can uh, play. I don't know how it will come across in the audio, but we can play that clip for you. Yeah, we'll play that for you. Uh, just so you can get a sense of that. And there is also a sigh. Yeah, that was quite that was quite freaky, that was. Yeah, um, so we'll just play them clips for you now, and then you can, you know, see. I don't know how well it'll come across, but well, let's play it anyway. Our investigation was to be carried out in the church, and we came armed with tape recorders. We left the two recorders running on their own inside the building. Before locking the machines in, we searched the building. This session proved to be the most exciting one, for we firmly believe we recorded the sound of a ghost stepping forward and opening something which sounds like a door. At first, we thought we'd recorded the sound of a chancel door being opened, so we investigated this possibility. But neither of these sounds in any way seems to match the ghostly one. Nothing in the vicinity of the altar that we could find could account for the strange recording. We were so intrigued by these events that we returned to the church the following Saturday and spent the entire night there. Having searched the building once more, we locked the machines in, and already the atmosphere seemed to be changing. Two of the teams said they felt they were being watched by somebody. Now follows the most remarkable sound of all, but quite clearly, the centre microphone picked up what obviously is a human sigh. After this, we decided to break the sequence of visits and to try again during summer conditions. We started recording about 1am, and the first tapes revealed the natural ambience of the building and nothing else. But as we entered the church at about a quarter to two, we all felt a change in atmosphere. I had a definite tingle pulsing through my body and a feeling as though a presence were pressing against my back. And yet, there was nothing horrific about it. We felt certain, however, that this run would produce results. And we were right. It's the most surprising sound we've heard to date and we were able to locate it as originating just in front of the altar rail. church. 
At first, we thought we couldn't believe our own eyes, and each one of us thought we were suffering from fatigue, until we broke the silence to speak about it. I think I'm getting tired of that. I keep seeing things. Jerry, are you watching Peter the curtain? Yes, that's what I'm seeing. That's why I think it's Yes, I saw one just then, too. Maybe it's up in the curtain. Eh? On the right hand side, right in the curtain. Very curious, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it's one of the curious things. Yes. No, you're not seeing things, Peter. Three of us can see them, so. It obviously exists, whatever it is. It's a strange phenomenon. Yes, it's stripped this time, isn't it? It's right here. Now, that was fantastic. We've no idea what that was. It certainly made all of us jump. But there's some object that had been thrown down. It's curious that that seems to have been tied up with all getting colder and colder. It's like a build-up of power. After a while, we realised the lights were coming closer to us. But although we stuck our ground, there were no further audible disturbances in the church, and the lights eventually vanished. As to what they mean, it's anybody's guess. But whatever they are, they are physical. The microphones prove that. Okay, so, okay. interesting. Yes, uh, but say there has been other stuff, you know, there's been, uh, you know, other noises and... Uh, you know, and still, and it is. You know, want to say that it's still happening today. Yep. Okay, it's still happening. It's, so it's, it hasn't stopped. There's still a lot of stuff happening. In Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Paranormal News. Broadcasting to you from places unknown, bringing you the top three paranormal headlines of the week. Five, four, three, two, one. Three. Right, this is from The Sun. Hoodwinked. Mum catches moment hooded skeleton. Monk stalked her family on a country walk. Colleen McCullum was with her daughter, Pippa, 22, in Glen Affric, is it, in Scotland, Highlands, when the airy apparition appeared. The 55-year-old had been taking pictures of the stunning surroundings, but was horrified when she came across the creepy snap showing the shape of a man lurking in the woods with a skeletal face. And for those who haven't seen this picture yet, it does look a bit like Skeletor from He-Man. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, okay. Colleen is hoping the spooky figure was just a trick of light, but paranormal experts say otherwise. And I don't know why, but anyway, we'll get into that. The mum from Aberdeen says, I was quite amused when I saw the reaction from people who stared at the picture. People have been saying lots of things about the book, though. <laughs> this is exactly how people from Aberdeen sound. Do they know, right? <laughs> I've never been to Aberdeen. Yeah. I've been to Glasgow, but oh, okay. never again. Yeah. The place is a nice nature reserve. Oh no, no, this is a quote still. The place is a neat, is a nice nature reserve where you can walk around, and there's a private estate well frequently frequented by a lot of celebrities such as Pippa Milverton and David Beckham. Ooh. Yeah. As we walked along, I noticed that the light from the ferns, which was made. A nice scene, so I took a photo on my phone. You have phones in that in Scotland. You have no phones. It was only when I got home that I looked at the picture I'd taken and noticed the figure. I looked back at the image and jumped, jumped out at me. It gave me quite a fright. Yeah, right. Yeah. Straight away, I thought, "What on earth is that?" Logic says it's a trick of light. No, we'll leave up to the, the picture and the hangouts. If you've seen it for a while, you would run a mile. Pippa thought it was really creepy at the same time. But it was strange. Colleen, who was a believer in the paranormal, but, I mean, that doesn't really matter, does it? No, it doesn't matter, but, but, but she is. Uh, posted the spooky snap online, 
and has been inundated with responses from people convinced the figure is real. But Mum is still sceptical and believes maybe the photo was just perfect timing and lighting. One user commented, I have to agree, it looks like a skeleton monk. Another said, me too, it looks like a skeleton monk. One wrote, but it's a trick of lie. It looks very real to me. Glen Arif is where Pippa Middleton round. I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in Pippa Middleton. But anyway, the picture itself is it is a picture of ferns, and obviously when you zoom in, it does. It just looks like a tree. Yeah. Um, they're like these blob squatch things. But actually, the the picture itself from zoomed out is pretty creepy and I will put it on the hangout the don't break the other paranormal hangout on Facebook please join us there say hello yes and uh, we will uh, endeavour to respond to you respond to everybody of course if you've got a story for us please send it you can send it on there or you can send it by email uh, and it, that is in the show notes dbtlpodcast at gmail.com mm. but um, yeah I'll put that picture on there and you can look at it it's an uh, interesting story but probably just a trick of like possibly Definitely. I've got a better one than that. Go on then. Much better one than that. Things that go bonk in the night. Oh, why? Right. Woman's who claims she had sex with a ghost says it was the best she's ever had. Mm-hmm. And well, I remember when you first told me about this, I said, this is probably the only sex she's ever had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well. But it turns out she did come out of a long-term relationship, so I'll let her off. Was she, was she uh, imagining this, or was well, she, you know... Anyway, Cian Jameson, 26, from Shropshire, told how she recognised Robert, who lived over 100 years ago, from a painting in the house she was staying in, when suddenly he appeared next to her in her bed. And she sobbed when he left, as she, she says, I'd fallen in love with him. Uh, Sam Jameson, uh, she's a writer from Shropshire, told how she recognised Robert when he flowed into her bed from a painting in the house she was staying in. She moved into the rented property in Aberystwyth, Wales, from North London, and had noticed his handsome portrait, dated 1820, mm-hmm. hanging above the mantelpiece. Uh, after their saucy spiritual encounter, Sam said she sobbed when he left as she'd fallen in love. Sam. Cyan, okay. She explained how she moved uh, to the area after splitting up from a long-term boyfriend. Yeah, I see. Yeah, was everywhere. Actual yeah. person. Yeah. Mm. Everywhere I went reminded me of my ex. She said, "I needed a fresh start." This remote cottage was built in the 16th century and was let fully furnished, complete with books and paintings. Mm, that's lucky. Yep. Yeah. Which way wouldn't have known who it was, would she? No. Uh, she recalled, it was great. No distractions, just me, the trees and the sky, and the birds are singing, whatever, yeah. Uh, I was paying my rent by doing bits of copywriting, and because I didn't want uh, much uh, in the countryside, I managed okay. I enjoyed the peace, and after a long relationship, being on my own was quite exhilarating. I started to wonder whether I'd ever want a man in my life again. Cyan told our she, she was shocked when she started having sexy dreams. Mm-hmm. But putting it down to her, her libido, expressing herself while she was sleeping. Um, and Cause wake- she, yeah, because she was in the middle of nowhere on her own. So. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Stands to reason. Um, yeah. Uh, she, she said, I, I'd wake up thinking I was still in a relationship and was quite relieved to find myself alone, she said. But one night, Cyan experienced something quite different. A few, uh, a few months after I moved in, I woke early one morning to find a dark-haired, very good-looking young man lying next to me, she recalled. He was fully clothed in a loose white t-shirt, a neck scarf, and an old-fashioned breeches. He had a kind of shimmer to him, as if he was behind a fluttering, voile curtain. I told myself I was dreaming and rolled away from him. As I faced the wall, I slowly realised I wasn't asleep. And suddenly, I was frozen with fear. I felt a hand on my waist, but the touch was strange, light and cool. Uh, she said she instinctively knew that he was a ghost and recognised him instantly as the man from the painting. Within seconds, she told how they began to have sex. 
Mm. We've got a picture of the guy here as well, so. He was very gentle and stroked my body tenderly, she explained. During the lovemaking, I sensed all kinds of things about him. His name was Robert and he lived over 100 years ago. We didn't speak, it was as if he was communicating with me telepathically. His body was soft and light, even when he moved on top of me pressing down, he felt almost weightless. It was very strange, but the sex was amazing. Is it strange that I want to know more details about, about the sex? I don't know. Um, their encounter lasted for around an hour. Oh, that's an hour, did he? Okay. Uh, and when she woke up, having fallen well, asleep in their arms, years, her ghostly it? lover just vanished. For well, she's crap. That's not for me. I'm out of here. Yeah, it's normally what happens when yeah when, well, a bloke, when a bloke's finished. He normally disappears. Yeah, usually, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's, that's not a, just a ghost thing. Well, it's <laughs> to be able for the wife, doesn't yeah. it? So um, she admitted, I was totally perplexed about what had happened. In fact, I started to wonder whether it, it had happened at all. In the end, I told myself it was just a very vivid dream and put it back to the back of my mind. Uh, a spiritualist, Cyan, had always believed in ghosts and claimed to have be seen apparitions before, but nothing like this had ever happened. A few days later, she had a paranormal lover returned. Ah, he's back with some more now. <laughs> uh, again, he appeared in the morning. We made love again, but this time afterwards, I watched him get up, get dressed and leave the room. I was expecting to hear his footsteps on the wooden stairs, but there was no sound. I watched him through the open door uh, and saw him a kind of fade away as he approached the top of the stairs. She got up and followed, but he disappeared. He appeared one more time after that, she said. It was night time, and I was just drifting off to sleep. All of a sudden, the duvet slid off me, and I could feel a cool hand running up my thigh under my nightshirt. Ooh, yeah. I sobbed after he left that night. I guess I had fallen in love. Right. Um, this is what one of the experts say, you know, these psychotherapists. Um, this woman said, Although the experience of making love with a ghost felt very, very real to Siam, the spectre sex always happened either early in the morning or late at night, while she was just waking up or just nodding off. But we think she's been hallucinating, you know. So, I mean, they, they, she goes into detail. Oh, it could be stress, anxiety, depression, trauma can make well, hallucination. But I'm thinking, well, why not? Possible. I mean, you know, say you're in a, a travel lodge one at night, you know, or you know, a train you in, and mm. you know, and a female ghost comes onto you and you think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a bit shocked, yeah, but I'm not going to push it away. Well, yeah, you'd be able to push it away. I don't know, but I, I don't know. It seems, um, you know, you've uh, it seems pretty. Well, I mean, she said she's fought, fell in love, but to me, it doesn't seem person to be, you know, he just gets up and goes. Yeah, it seems to be a plausible story, I guess. Yeah, well, is uh, that kind of thing? This is the things that go bonk in the night. Indeed. Of course. One. Right, so continuing the ghost bonking for you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is from the is it from the ghost bonkers? Yeah, this is the Hufferton Post. This, okay. Uh, I think it was originally in the Express, but it says... British athletes claim sex, ghost, is haunting their reality show. Who are you going to call? Ghost bonkers. Yeah. Right, so this, this is all taking place on the celebrity TV show, The Jump, which is a British TV show where basically celebrities, or minor celebrities, uh, compete in various winter sports, ski yeah, jumping, jumping and that on the piece stuff. and all yeah. that stuff, isn't it? Jump, jump, yeah. jump so it's not this happens to British Paralympian Kadena Cox and retired rugby player star Gareth Thomas <laughs> and they are two celebrities that appear on this show right so it all starts during the episode the 25 year old Cox reportedly asked for a new room after alleging being sexually violated by a ghost mm. Mm. another competing celebrity Emma Parker Bowles the Duchess of Gormals yes. mm. said she was on the show Cox was penetrated by some sort of paranormal entity. It's not the same ghost as it was on about before. Well, no, no, no. It's it gets around a bit. Yeah, I reckon he does. Thomas, a lady, ladies' man. Here, Thomas, mate. forty-two, concurred. She had a ghost going in and out of there, <laughs> the old in out. 
she had a sleep thing, he said, according to the son. She wished it was a person. It was going in and out of her body. The feeling was apparently so real to her, she asked to change room. As did Thomas. I don't know if he had a ghost <laughs> going in and out of hey, him. Hey, let's not go there, mate, all right? When he wanted to change room, yeah, okay. he wasn't even taking the chance. Yeah, it, yeah, it could I have been a male or a female. To, to a different floor, because when I'm hearing ghost stories... I think this is Thomas. Uh, this is Thomas saying this. When I I wanted to move to a different floor because when I'm hearing ghost stories, I was at the very very end of the corridor and I got scared. He said, according to the Express, Cox and Thomas are just the latest semi-famous people who have claimed to have ghost sex. Last last year, Bobby Brown promoted his autobiography, claiming a ghost had sex with me. I wasn't high. Brown told 2020, and I wasn't tripping. In September 2012, cat. Cashier, is it? Told Ryan Seacrest her song Supernatural. Yeah, I'm not over the pops. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not heavy metal, me. But anyway, she said that her song Supernatural, for those of you who know that song, was inspired by, by a randy romp with a male ghost. Ooh. It's about an experience with the supernatural, but in a sexy way, she told Seacrest. I had a couple of experience with the supernatural. I don't know his name. He was a ghost. But I'm very open to it. The concept of ghost uh, sex arouses a lot of interest, and there is some people, skeptophiles, who fantasize, spectrophiles, I think that is, spectrophiles, what a fucking word, uh, who fantasize about spooky encounters. Debunkers, however, are quick to dismiss the ghost Ooh. on human whoopee. Ben Radford, the department editor of Skeptical Inquirer magazine, called such experiences hyponomic and bullshit. Yeah. hallucinations yeah, yeah. these vivid hallucinations yeah, yeah, which yeah. can be sexual are common to people who are going in and out of sleep yeah whatever well that would be everybody wouldn't it everybody's going in and out of sleep and not everybody's shagging a ghost that so no no so do one yeah closing then where do we where do, where do you stand on all this because to me I know um, the foisters get a bad rap and air confessions didn't help you know that she made well, no, a lot no, of no. Um, but the, problem, the, the issue for me is that um, a lot of this stuff happened before they was there and yeah. again it's still happening after I mean a lot of them are dead now and it's still happening so there's an element of truth to this I think a lot of it is exaggerated yeah um, I think the witness testimony of the you know the nun or this non particular nun and the, and the coach I think that's probably true. Yeah, um, I I think is I think is it quite true. I think Harry Price was a again I, you know I think he I think he went into the place to fa- to call more Shallons because that's what his job is to expose them. You know, say so, oh you you Shallon yeah. you know you you fake, and I think he went to Borley and found that. Shit, this is true. But when the so then he obviously, I think when the forces moved out, it stopped. So when he rented it out, he's gonna. Oh, what am I gonna do? Yeah, once gonna, the, I, I am gonna have to. Yeah, he needed, he needed to write yeah. a book on it. And once the papers got involved, I think it was just a catalyst, and he he started yeah. exaggerating claims. I'm not saying that he didn't see anything because I think he did, uh, but um, yeah, I think he I think he made a lot of it. I, I think mostly because it's been built on a, a monastery. Uh, it was built on in 1362, around that time, uh, and, up, and then up to today. I think most of the uh, alleged sightings, the alleged noises, I think are residual. Mm. I don't think the real ghosts coming well, back because of the, you know the, the the rest of spirits. I don't believe that. These, I think um, uh, it's just residual uh, actions and noises that's happened well, in these, the past. Uh, yeah, apart from looking in the window, that's. That, that sort of uh, and the, and the battle breaking, I'm not quite sure, but the um, the monastery thing. I mean, the willows and all that. You know, it was said to be built in this monastery, and, and yeah, that is, you know. Just... I mean, there was a count in the seventies and the eighties about the lorry drivers. You know, on the road there, on the bypass there. I mean, there's many counts of lorry drivers going to the going into the cafes and, and they're shaking like mad and going, "What's up? What's going on?" And I said, "Well, we, we was going on, and we saw these two nuns. Uh, sorry, these two monks. Uh, you know, we." we and, uh, and they said that what round here no in Bali alright mm. in, in Bali retreat 
uh, on the grounds, you know, because there's a road, big road up that down there. The uh, they said that they they they. This is near Essex, in, yeah, 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 yeah in Essex, London, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, they they saw there's many low drivers um, and drivers soon have seen these monks, you know, walking towards them, you know, from from the the site itself. Yeah. And some have said they they felt that these were not monks. They felt there was evil there. You know, they just felt this. They've got to get out. Mm. You know, whatever. Well, I mean, if you see something strange like that, I think you know it's going to be filled with happiness, I guess. But well, no, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, you, you know, it's again, you know, it's, I mean, this is still happening today, so it's not, uh, it's not like you know the the odd rapping or you know the odd sight. It's it's, it's sometimes they can f- see it's full apparition. Mm. Well, that's Bali Rectory. Hopefully, you enjoyed. Yes. Bali Rectory. Interesting story. Yes. Uh, and then obviously you've probably got your own opinions. If you want to let us know, you know where to find us. You can either direct you know, direct messages on Facebook. I'm, I'm hopefully uh, next year, if, if we if we can get some free time, buddy, uh, we can maybe maybe pop to Bali mm. and have a look around Interesting. Yeah. But, or email us at dbtopodcast yep. at gmail.com. Visit the website, don't break the podcast.com uh, And if you've got a story... Uh, an interesting paranormal story or a funny story or even a joke that yeah. you want us to tell on the show or a shout out even uh, yeah. you know just email us or you know direct messages on Facebook and we will yeah. endeavour to put that on the next show absolutely so um, well Merry Christmas yeah Merry Christmas and we will see you in the new year hopefully uh, next week but we'll we'll see how the shows you yeah. know figures, things figure out but, uh, yep, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. And, uh, we thank will you. see you again. Bye now. Well, they've gone. Oh, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. Derek is the new superintendent in a large unified school district. He wanted to hold the district accountable to the same standards they hold students to, to level up and surpass expectations. So he earned a doctoral degree in education online at Grand Canyon University. Now he's taking charge and making measured improvements. What do you think preparing students for success looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.